Well, we've got another great show for you today. But first, we got to listen to that funky beat. YOLO! Hosted by Jonathan Ashey and Brandon Bogner. Ordinary Radicals brought to you. Which podcast is about the subject of biblical living. Featuring conversations, Q&As concerning a wide variety of topics to help you grow. It's disciples of the local church through leadership, discipleship, mission. Boom. Drop the mic. YOLO. You just really said YOLO, right? I did. I you, did. You only live once, which was, which, besides the theological inaccuracy <laughs> and confusion of all this, that is like from three or four years ago. You're starting to show your age, Mr. Hayashi, Dr. Hayashi. Dude, you know, it's more like probably 10 years ago, actually, YOLO. Okay. So. I was trying to be but nice. Jesus would say YOLO. Would he? I don't know. I mean, he lived twice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So maybe he wouldn't say that. Maybe in a sarcastic tone. Anyway, we got a great show today. We're talking about something that um, is near and dear to both of our hearts, and it should be to every single Christian. And to introduce this, I just want to bring up something that happened to me recently. Recently, I was talking to one of my family members, and that family member experienced some sexual abuse uh, by the hands of, of someone else. And I was talking to that person and I felt I felt to share something from my own past um, that I experienced sexual abuse a, as a youngster. And I was telling that person to kind of try to relate and try to empathize a little bit and love them well. Well, fast forward, a couple days goes by, and I was talking to another family member about sort of what had happened a little bit, and that family member told me that they were sexually abused by someone totally different. And so here we have three different people, and and really none of us knew that any of this existed. I sat down with a pastor yesterday. I told that pastor the story, and he said, actually, Brandon, I was sexually abused also. So we're talking about this this idea of sexual abuse and, and the secrecy surrounding all of this. It's going to be a good show, I think. You know, I think that's a definitely hot, difficult, sensitive topic, right? Uh, so episode 31, we're going to be talking about sexual abuse in the church. But yeah, I just kind of, if it's all right, I just want to piggyback on that. So I remember I was in high school and taking human anatomy class and uh, the teacher was talking about you know, body parts and talking about how somebody inappropriately touched them uh, in in a way that was not God-honoring. And then it hit me suddenly. I was like, whoa, when I was super little, probably like two or three years old, I was abused and that cycle continued. And it was something that I didn't even recognize. I subconsciously suppressed it, suppressed mm-hmm. and hit it. And it just hit me after like, what, 12 years Wow. of not even dealing with that 13 whatever and it's amazing how these memories can flood and um just realize how it's 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 a real thing and it's out there and it's not just a taboo it's i mean it, it happens sadly and i think churches need to have a plan like, like how to walk forward and how to understand this i mean even biblically like you know what's going on there yeah so between you and I, we, we, we know a lot about each other, and neither one of us knew that the other was abused in any way. I think one of the big issues surrounding this whole topic is secrecy. 
And I want to speak to that just a little bit because I see a lot of secrecy within God's church. And I don't think that there should be. Uh, I think this probably came came about from just the suppression of sexuality in general. You know, over the past you know years and years and decades and hundreds of years, um, sex is as a subject that that isn't talked about in the church. It's becoming more prevalent now, but in the past, you know, like can you name us? Do you do you know a pastor who who went through a series on Song of Solomon? Oh no, definitely not. No, and I don't either. And it's like, why not? And it's because we're afraid to go there. And we're sending this message, even though sex itself, sex happened before sin. It's good. Um, it was definitely happening after, but it came before. Uh, we have this message that it's bad, that it's not, that it's, it needs to be uh, kept secret. And I think that that has fueled a lot of the atmosphere of secrecy within the church. And I was telling you earlier, I think whenever there's a, an atmosphere of secrecy, that's the devil's playground to do a lot of damage in the lives of people. You know, I thought it's interesting, you know, I think about Genesis 3, right, where Adam and Eve sinned by eating the fruit, right? It was pleasant to the eyes, make one wise, and it was, you know, something that to be desired. Right. Um, it's kind of like what First John 2, right, talks about the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and, you know, pride of life. But immediately, I think what's interesting is that they started putting fig leaves around them, right? Because they knew there was something shameful and they start covering, you know, there's a sense that, you know, it, that, that it's a hot hush topic, right? Sex. Right. But, you know, even recently I was preaching about, you know, what, what sex is and actually biblical sex is actually a very, very beautiful thing. Right. I, right. I, I can't remember who said this, but they said, you know, sex actually communicates that I completely, permanently, exclusively belong to you. I mean, it's one of the greatest gifts that you can have uh, between a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be cherished, but it's almost like, oh my goodness, so that's a bad topic. Let's not talk about it. Let's try to avoid it as much. But let's talk about other issues in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, something that we should teach and shepherd and help our people or else, and, you know, uh, it's something that our children are learning not from the home, but they're learning in public school. And obviously that's on a biblical based sex. And, uh, and then there's shame that surrounds that kind of like how Adam and Eve fell. Exactly. And so if, if we within the church ha- have sort of secrecy and we know that we shouldn't, you know, the, the question becomes like, how do we, how do we change the atmosphere? How do we create a place that's safe one, to talk about the goodness of sex. And maybe that's not the topic of our podcast today, but two, that if someone is a survivor, if someone's being abused, that they know that they can approach uh, a leader or someone and and bring the darkness to light, uh, that we could stand for survivors of sexual abuse. And as we said, you're you're a survivor, and I'm a survivor, and I have family members that are a survivor. The past, there's so many. We can't we can't just be idle about this. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I love talking about is just serving those who have survived. So. Again, the topic is sexual abuse in the church. And uh, I think first and foremost, we got to create a safe environment. The secrecy needs to stop. And I think a lot of abusers, predators, will talk about don't tell mom and dad, right? Right, you know, yeah. About these things. And uh, and that that there needs to be even educating your children, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so we have these talks with our you know, little children, you know, heaven forbid, but you know, I have a six year old and I talk about, you know, this is only mom and dad and maybe doctors can only see you exactly. without your clothes. 
And so helping them in a healthy way to have conversation. Also, something real quick, I think a quick note for those maybe pastor leaders, ministry um, partners who are listening. I think one of the first thing, if you find out that somebody is being abused, whether a teenager or whatever, I think just a moment to stop and listen is huge. And in the way that you listen to attitude is huge. Not begin to, you know, interrogate saying like, what kind of clothes were you wearing? You know, why were you there alone? Right. Because then shame is going to come upon the survivors again. Exactly. And they're never going to talk about it. They took the courage, willingness, because they saw something in you and to trust you and to talk to you. So one of the first things you should really do is sympathize with the survivors and just say, I'm so sorry this happened. And, and not to doubt, you know, and to shame them. Uh, somehow they made a mistake. It was their fault. Right. Yeah. So you brought up a lot of good, a lot of, a lot of things I want to walk into. Uh, one, you, you talked about predators. If you're listening now, you, you, you have to know this. If you're a pastor, a lot of the people that seem like they're heaven sent, there's, there's a reason why they feel that way. And they might just be predators. Like there, there, there could be a person in your children's ministry who's like, yeah, I just want to come in and I want to give my weekends and I just want to do this and this. And you're like, this person's directly from God. I am so excited. I've been praying for this person. But what you could be doing is opening a door for a predator to take advantage or for someone to be groomed or for something bad to happen. And so we need to think of some steps. I'd like to start there. Like, what are some steps that as a pastor, and I have several written down, but maybe even you and your church has taken, uh, Jonathan, that um, is going gonna, is gonna to help uh, create a safe, a safe place? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the first thing is to admit as a church that this is something that's out there. We live in a broken, sinful world. Yeah. So, I mean, educating your church about the reality of, you know, faith-based organizations are a huge target and just realize that we don't live in fairy tale with unicorns and donuts and, you know, uh, rainbows. I mean, we live in a broken world and to be prepared. And I think preparedness is usually um, comes with awareness, right? And then, and then also began with awareness to put some ideas and policies and training. Okay. I think one of the great training resources we have is called Ministry Safe. Yeah, that's um, good. That, brings awareness to your trainer, training leaders and sometimes faith-based organization because we're desperate and we're small and we need volunteers that, you know, we don't do background checks. Back, mm-hmm. Background checks is a one great way to start. It doesn't solve everything, but that's one way to keep the gate gatekeepers aware that, hey, there's a system where we have. And also communicate, you know, or church, what we communicate. We say we take zero tolerance of sexual abuse. Right. For the most for the vulnerable and safety of our children and people, um, we take it very, very serious. Yeah, and when you say zero tolerance, you're also saying that everyone has to be a mandated reporter. If you see anything, you must report it. It absolutely is crucial that whatever you see, whatever you heard, and it could be I heard from such and such, it doesn't matter, we report it, right? Uh, Report it to the proper authority within your church. Um, and if you're that person that's reporting, you might even want to follow up, make sure that it goes from whatever channel it needs to, to the proper channels also. Um, another thing that we're doing, and I, I feel like churches may start moving this direction. Maybe you guys have, we're not a big church, but we're about to install cameras in all of our rooms. We're going to have cameras that, that just show. Now, as you said, with background checks, a, a predator can get around everything. 
They they can, but still, let's you got to make it as hard as possible and make it as safe as possible. Um, and you can't like put a bat, you can't put a camera in a bathroom or something like that. So I understand that. But at least in all the rooms where we have kids constantly in our youth room, uh, at the entrance to the building, and all those things, we're about to install several different cameras. And this this came up actually in two ways. There's there's the opposite end of things. There was a, a, a young a child that said that that uh, the child said that he was uh, sexually abused by a worker, and they had cameras and they were able to go back to the time and everything and and come to find out they had something against the person. And you know that in ministry, you know, one person ab- accuses you of something, it impacts your integrity. Yeah. I think uh, kind of piggyback on that too, you know, I just, you know, with the volunteers, we talk about a two people rule, Yes, especially in the restroom too, right? Um, yeah. that, you know, um, so if there's an accusation, there's another person there who is watching eyewitness, if security cameras are not an option. Yeah. One of the other things personally as a pastor I have done is that I want to be above approach. First Timothy 3 talks about that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we call it the Billy Graham rule. And uh, for me, I just made a rule that I'm just never alone uh, of the opposite sex, that except for my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, you know, I remember like in student ministry, like a teenager would stick around and they need a drive. And, and then, you know, while the parent didn't come pick them up, like maybe I should drive. But then I would think about what if a member sees me with the teenage girl on the passenger side and I'm driving, you know, even though the thought of intent was good, action doesn't get a pastor out these days anymore. It's an accusation that gets a pastor out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, you know, that's maybe a higher calling for a pastor elder. Um, but just being above approach and just recognizing like, hey, we live in a very broken world. I don't meet with baptismal candidates that or children, minors alone anymore. I always have to set a parent at least one in mm-hmm. and that we meet together and walk through that. And uh, so, so also just putting some, you know, hedge of protection there in systems. I think that's good. But kind of coming back to the security camera, I think volunteers too. I know it's tough for little churches, but try to get multiple volunteers and two set of eyes, just in case if you, if you can't afford or you don't have cameras, uh, that areas that can be seen. Absolutely, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, and and so we're, we're saying like, if you're listening right now, we're, we're saying. We're protecting the kids. We're protecting our church. We're protecting our pastors. And so all of this, it's a multifaceted issue, right, that we want to deal with. Um, Now, we do have to acknowledge that many of of the uh, cases of sexual abuse have come from the hands of someone with some leadership, a deacon, uh, even a minister sometimes. I've I've seen that. Um, And so— you also need accountability. You need some sort of accountability um, for where you are and why you're there and your actions. You need to be able to answer for those things. I think um, accountability can go a, a long, long way to 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 stopping something before it happens. We'll just put it that way. And, yeah. and, it, and it may be mutual. You know, a lot of the time that there's a minister who's maybe uh, committing adultery and it may be something mutual between him and some person – still still tears up a church it's still sexual mm-hmm. sin you know mm-hmm. you know and again like abuse i mean and we're specific about sexual abuse right and again in abuse is a loaded word i mean like what do you mean by that i think anything that is not desired or has been pressed upon so like 
it, it was kind of realization for me too. There could be a peer to peer sexual abuse that could happen mm-hmm. uh, of a child to a child because right. that child has been abused and that person turns that abuser. So even this awareness, like, you know, even how you set up your, you know, Sunday school rooms or how you set up the nursery. So it may not be adult to a children. It could be a children, children, or even let's say a child has uh, a phone and forces to watch uh, mm. pornography of mm. image or motion that hasn't been desired that is mm-hmm. grooming and that is abuse does it make sense so even that um, that's considered in the category of abuse because that's been taken advantage of one person's uh, freedom there right and they all have different outcomes but you know this is a, this is an aside the point a lot of the people listening right now are probably also parents you need to know what your kids are looking at you need to know what your kids friends show them and i say that to say my eight my my about to be nine year old he was talking to his mom and he he acknowledged and said someone tried to show him a picture at school not at church at school um and so we had to deal with that you know and it's like another nine year old has a phone and is showing my nine year old who does not have a phone uh inappropriate pictures you know what i'm saying so yeah we live in a broken world and it's sad that it's we're not in 1950s anymore right we can't escape it and yeah and so much as technological advancement uh the abuse cases that are coming out um because again coming from earlier you talked about uh the secrecy that happens and uh that's so unfortunate yet we just got to be prepared and ready uh to as a church to shift have flexibility there in leadership structure and systems and strategies in place uh, in order to prevent from greater catastrophic damage that could be done to not only your life, but in your marriage, also in your family and the church. Yeah. yeah. So uh, real quick then, I, I think maybe there's someone possibly listening that, and they haven't quite worked out their system for what happens if, if, if there's an abuse in their church. So let's talk about the obvious, because it may not be obvious to everyone, okay? So first of all, there's a child that's been abused. The child comes to you. What's the next step? What are we supposed to do? What what should we do? Yeah. yeah. And this is probably the counseling sign that's coming out of me. Right. You know, but I think, I think also, you know, sometimes children will say, you know, uh, I've been struggling. I've never told anybody. I don't want you to tell anybody because my mom's going to be upset and the church leader is going to be upset. Please don't tell anybody. I would say even that secrecy of confidentiality cannot be promised. It, yeah, it can't. Because mandatory reporters need to report exactly. such as abuse or other issues. And people say, oh, you know, I would say talk to your appropriate channel of leadership go through the proper protocol and process uh, by bringing it up and because you have the information and and, and, and and to act upon it and to do something about it. I would say, um, so I would say I would never promise anybody that I'm not going to tell, but I will openly say unless it's about child molestation or abuse that is happening, uh, right? You mm-hmm. know, so, so I think that's important as we first find out you know, whether people said, please don't tell anybody, but for the safety of the person and to find a uh, predator, uh, you know, to do greater damage, I think secrecy needs to die. That's my first step. Yeah. And the same thing's true for us. If if something comes to light, 
we we will make a call. There will be a a, a call. Um, and if you don't know, there, there's you need to f- uh, find the number. And I don't we don't have I don't have it in front of me. Um, maybe we can put it in show notes or something. Um, but there's a uh, CPS, there's, there's child protective services, different, there's different groups, but you call and you report. We're all, we're mandated reporters as pastors and, uh, we call and we report what we've heard. Doesn't have to be true. We report that we've heard it and then they, they will, they will go through the proper channels. This is to protect these kids, right? We have to protect the kids first and foremost. And, you know, maybe, maybe they are, they, Maybe they are worried, like, please don't tell someone. I have to. I have to tell um, for your protection and because I love you. I care about you. So you have to report that. And then you need to uh, have steps where you're talking to the different channels because even in your own church, you're going to want to try to get to the bottom of what happened. Um, you've reported and, you, and you're going to try to get to the bottom of, of, of what happened. It could come up that it was a misunderstanding. It could come up that all different things, um, but always err on the side of loving people well and protecting um, the people that are coming to you with with saying that they've been abused. Yeah, I think it's better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. Um, and and again, and and also recognize the system in place uh, that what this could ruin the person's life or the other person's life well if you know a lot of times sexual abuser predators Mm -hmm. they if they're doing that they have done that for more children because they have learned how to groom people and work the gatekeeper and get into the system and just so you know based on ministry say there is no visual cues or hints they're not socioeconomically low-income people or they're more male actually even females could be predators believe it or not or people who have high profile jobs yet they've learned how to get into systems so you can't really predict like well that person can't do that this person can't do that but but again always you know just you know, trying to trying to work and be faithful to the truth. I think that's that's just crucial, which which is difficult because truth has consequence. Right. But to do what's right for the whole. Right. Now that's a kid. Now if an adult comes to you, it's a it's a little bit different. Um, you're not calling a specific number. If if for that person to go to the authorities, you have to um, you have to counsel them to go to the authorities. That's how it works with an adult. But still, you can have an investigation within your church and try to get down to the bottom of things. And, and uh, you know, uh, we want safe churches. Um, so we've already talked about a lot of different things. And we haven't even got to one of the reasons why we even did this podcast. You ready to go there? Yeah, go ahead. So um, if you're listening, if you don't know, uh, Jonathan and I, are, we're both Southern Baptist pastors and um, within our convention, it has come to light in recent years, but big time in recent weeks of more than just allegations, some actual sexual abuse within um, local churches and the leadership of the SBC. Uh, that's the Southern Baptist Convention. And there's been some cover up. There's been um, different things. And so we want to talk about that, too. Yeah. I think first and foremost, like I think we as leaders should lament Absolutely. to grieve over sin. I mean, Christ would, and just you know, what it doesn't matter the number, like a hundred, 
300, 700 allegation. One, that's one too many. Mm-hmm. And uh, as leaders, we see sin as God sees sin, and we need to call it out and to grieve with our people and to listen to them and to, you know, First Corinthians uh, 1, 3, it says, bless me to God, the Father, the God of all mercies, the God of all comfort, and to, and to help weak and the weary souls um, in these areas. And uh, we want to walk alongside of them and to point them to Scripture, point them to Jesus, talk about what biblical reconciliation and forgiveness looks like. And I think God's Word is sufficient to help us with that but first and foremost we need to lament and say lord have mercy mm-hmm. um i i think that's that's a yeah. place to start uh if you're not from the southern baptist background then your 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 go-to start might be well we need to fire a bunch of pastors from churches and things that have allegations against them i just just so you know sort of the polity of of the way the southern baptists are each church is its own uh government it's its own place it's its own institution and we hold that very highly and um there is no governmental board over us that will fire one of our pastors it doesn't work that way um so we we do have a president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and we have an executive committee and people that do some of the day-to-day type stuff, but they can't fire a pastor in any way. Um, so that's that's not an option. Lamenting, yes, let's lament. Uh, one of the things that I would like to see from our executive committee, from our leadership, from our uh, the president of the executive committee, is I want to see some sort of program in place where there are trained a trained counselor or trained counselors when someone has uh, has an issue or has been um, involved in in uh, abuse that they can either go to their pastor and their pastor can go with them online and talk to this person or they can go directly to that person. I want to see some help for people who are abused, counseling, um, next steps, uh, because a lot of the time. People just don't know what to do next. They're just scared and they feel alone. That's the secrecy. Uh, so that's what I would like to see with with the SBC. Yeah, like you said, you know, I think SBC is unique. Uh, it's one of the largest. It is the largest Protestant denomination. Right. And the evangelicals. But we are not like Catholics, right? There is a pope and a priest and a bishop, that hierarchy. We're not like the Methodists, which there's a DS uh, supervisor who can right. move pastors. Uh, it the, the power lies within the messengers of the people. And that's the reason, uh, like, the annual meeting is crucial, that people bring resolutions and a system in place. Um, we believe in the autonomy of the church, but what holds us together is the biblical doctrinal conviction of the BFN 2000, which is the Baptist Faith Methodist 2000. Mm-hmm. And uh, that works with the state and the local. But, but just, I think, just these conversations are, good you know i think people have not had enough conversations of this um and yes certainly we want to be about the great commission we're known for the great commission we want to see baptism and this is an issue we have to walk through and get over it you know sure i love to see our church more planting churches out there i want to send more missionaries out where my passion lies is where i disciple young seminary students and they're going on uh, following god's call but we have to deal with this. That's part of taking out fire. But let's take out the fire. Let's deal with this lament, grieve over it. But let's 
in reaction, plan a process, like you said, that will help our pastors and resources to care well for survivors and also a system in place that if we know for certain there are actual abusers, a system or something in place that will collect them and to not have them transfer to another church so they go ahead and abuse more people. You know, um, I think I think that's important. I think we're moving in that direction, though. But we got to be praying that, that a system would be created and awareness and conversations are happening in the same place, like maybe this podcast is, um, to, to help our churches so we can move forward so that we can be about the Great Commission. I want to see more men, women, young boys and girls to be saved, baptized out into the church. And that's what we're about. That's what that's what it means, SBC, to be on mission together. Man, I love it. I love what you're saying. And I also, I want to echo that if you're outraged over all this, we are too. And I know for sure that there is a a younger generation of pastors that will not stand for these types of things. We will see change. We will see in the end coming out as as a better, stronger people. Um, You know, I I see that there's a revival even coming in in the young pastors of the SBC. a lot of us are a little bit more like-minded, and we care about some some new some things that haven't been as important, maybe like discipleship and counseling and recognizing mental health and all these things, like you said, that haven't been at the center of what we what we do. It is important to evangelize. It is important to plant churches. It is important to send missionaries out. But the mental health and all those things, um, that's a daily grind that we need to do more in. Yep. Yep. Good work, brother. Good work. This is a huge, huge issue. So, I mean, like, we can't cover it, you know, in a you know 30-minute podcast. But I do think we need to have more of these conversations and to have intelligent conversation without, you know, what Paul said in Romans, like, zeal without knowledge is foolishness. So, so yeah, like, we are emotionally torn and broken over this. But let's have intellectual, biblical conversation that will help our churches to move forward so we can be about the business. But we're not saying this doesn't matter. It is a huge matter, and we're going to deal with that, and we're going to deal with that and move forward. Um, and that that's, you know, that's leadership. Um, so that that's what I'm hoping and praying as a whole for the SBC and just even churches in general, evangelicals. Like, this is coming. It's not just an SBC. It's all over the place, and we've got to care well for those who feel helpless and those who are hopeless. And Jesus, he is the hope of the nation. Jesus comes and help weary sinners. And we can look to Jesus. Let's give them Jesus and let's get a system in place uh, for them to have a safe place to talk and point them to Jesus and to find healing uh, and hope in, in the name of Jesus. So, and not my preaching. Amen. I like it. It's good. Well, that's all that I have on this in the topic. Do you have anything else you wanted to say? I think that's it. Yeah. I'm just amazed we got through that in a little over 30 minutes. That's that's wonderful. Hey, if you've been listening and you're really enjoying these conversations, um, make sure that you give us uh, five stars or give us the highest possible rating. We really would appreciate that. Um, and also go back and check podcasts that you missed. We cover a lot of different things that, that pastors and, and, and clergy and even just Christians are going to deal with in, in the church on this podcast. So, yeah. Thanks for your time. Hope to hear from you guys again. And uh, have a blessed week. Ciao. See you guys.